This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, I'm Dave Rubin. And yes, this is a different set because we are in the swamp. That's right, we are in Washington, D.C. And joining me across the table is a former Navy SEAL and now a U.S. Congressman representing Texas's second district, Dan Crenshaw. Welcome back to the Rubin Report. Great to be here. In this small bunker that I know. we are in here in Washington, D.C. Everything's a little smaller out here. You know, it's, uh, it's compact. Uh, welcome. Glad you're out here. I am glad to be here. You just got in from Texas like seven minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just flew in this How morning. How are you feeling? Do you, need so, a, do you need a moment to clap I'm, I'm waiting for the Sudafed to kick in. That's what I'm waiting for, <laughs> if, if, I'm, if I'm being particularly honest. So this is that you have like COVID-7 that you're, you're bringing yeah, to the Capitol Yeah, I, I must be. I don't know. I, don't, just, no, I think it's just uh, allergies got, got into a sign. You know, you know how it is. I'm fine. We'll work through it. I guess we shall see. <laughs> so I said to you, right, but when you walk, you just walked in two seconds ago, but I said to you, right, when you walked in that we, we offered, I told uh, Republicans and Democrats alike, about 20 on each side, that I'm in D.C. for three days. Yeah. I will interview anyone and I will treat everyone with respect and all that stuff. Basically, every Republican said yes, except Mitch McConnell, who has a, he fell and I think he hurt his leg or hip. I think he might be in the hospital at the moment. So I'll accept that one. Uh, and not one Democrat even responded. We didn't yeah. even get no's. We got just nothing. Yeah. Does that kind of sum up what's going on here in D.C. these days? <sighs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does. There, there's, let's unpack that a lot. One, I think it's political malfeasance on their part. I, I see a lot more Republicans go on left-wing shows. I, I like doing it. I've done it a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, and frankly, it's good for your, it's good for, if you only care about catering to your own base, it's actually still good for that because your base still loves watching you say, you know, go toe to toe with somebody right. who disagrees Especially with you. you. Get them. That's when they're Right, really right. Like, yeah. And it's, it's fun. It's intellectually stimulating. There's a lot of other reasons I like doing it. And, but most, I mean, most importantly, you know, I always say like politics, fighting in politics, what is fighting in politics? Fighting in politics means persuading others. That's the actual, that's the metric by which you fight. A lot of people think otherwise, right? It's just yelling and screaming and picketing and doing all that and maybe, you know, dying on, dying on hills that you knew you were going to die on. That's not fighting. That's fighting for your base's attention. That's a certain kind of fight, but you're not really fighting for them. And so fighting means persuading. And the best way to persuade is to get your point across in a reasonable manner on a show where, where, where you know the audience generally disagrees with you. So yeah, I, I don't get it. So I think it's political malfeasance, but... So to your to your question about is it a broader indicator um, of what goes on here on the hill? Yeah, yeah, to to an extent. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. We were in uh, ENC Energy and Commerce Committee. We're marking up some bills, and some of these are kind of obviously you know, not things Democrats will vote for, but some of them are not so obvious. So here's one: like scheduling fentanyl analogs as a, as a, as a Schedule One drug. So that should be pretty 
plain and simple. Like, by the way, it's so all right. analogs, this is like stuff that basically acts like fentanyl or something? Yeah, it's, an, an analog means it's been, it's kind of been chemically altered by the exact, yeah, exact same basic makeup and an outcome. I'm probably getting that somewhat scientifically wrong. It's bad stuff, fentanyl. But, but legally speaking, like you need to do it so we can go after these dealers in a, in a cohesive way, gotcha. which is a way that's not happening right now. Prosecutors have a really hard time um, uh, prosecuting even, uh, not just not even just fentanyl, but like fentanyl analogs, something slightly different that does the exact same thing. Um, I mean, marijuana is a Schedule One drug. We can debate that separately, but like the point is, is this shouldn't be that controversial to make fentanyl a Schedule One drug. Right. By the way, it's already temporarily a Schedule One drug. It, 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 it expires soon. I don't want to get too much into this particular um, issue, but the, but the point is, it's really not that controversial, and, and fentanyl is, is hurting everyone across yeah. the country. And they, I think two Democrats maybe voted with us on that. Um, you know, the things that should be bipartisan, that, that really shouldn't be that controversial, they find reasons to make them controversial. Now, I think when we were in the minority, we might have done the same thing every once in a while, like, you know, nitpick some silly things. But I would say only if once in a while. I, I, I think it happens a lot more um, with Democrats, and it certainly happens a lot more in the House. Uh, the reason being is that if you're, you know, if you're a politician and you're sitting in the minority, Maybe you do kind of like a policy, but you also don't really want to take heat from back home for voting for it from your own base. Because you got your first election is always your primary. You know it's going to pass. I just vote no. The, the, the no vote is the easiest vote in the world. Um, and uh, a lot of people just vote no on just literally everything. Right. Is it sometimes not just that they're worried about the base, but they're worried about the radicals that are here? Like that that's going to cause more of a headache than, say, their voter who might be a little more left than they are? Um, well, I, don't, I don't know. What do you mean by radicals here? Well, meaning like, let's say the the squad crew oh, okay. is going to so create more of a headache for them than their own base that might just be like, ah, yeah. we'll let it slide on this issue. Or well, I, same thing. Yeah. So, so same thing. So, so yeah, I mean, they, they might be afraid of somebody in the squad tweets something which riles up their base got back it, home. It's, it. That's the dynamic. Yeah. So, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So let's do a whole bunch of stuff. All right, all right, let's go. We uh, well, first, how about we do start with this? Because I think a really interesting moment that we had that you probably don't even know about is I think the first time, maybe the second time we met was at a Turning Point USA event during the first Trump impeachment. So this was right before Christmas. I guess this is like 2018 or something. And I'm sure you remember the moment where you actually brought up your card. What, what, it was the card that, that you said no on impeachment. Is that what it was? Yeah. So yeah. you actually brought that up on stage to Trump in the middle of his speech. He, yeah. he called you on and you brought up the card and you signed it for him. That night was the first night that I ever met Trump in person. And that was basically when I started saying I could support this guy because you supported him. And I was like, I like Crenshaw. Mm -hmm. I like then having met Trump. I was like, I like him personally. They put some of the pieces together. Um, that feels like a long, long time ago, doesn't it? Just the way the way the world in 2018 felt compared to 2023. Putting aside the specifics Ma of yeah, that, just how, yeah, Ma how massively, massively different. I've only been in politics four years, so I'm in my fifth year, third term, fifth year. I guess if you count running for running for Congress for about a year, you could you, I could say it's five years in politics, but that's that's not very long. How many years does that age you? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I just turned 39. So <laughs> I don't feel like I've been aged, but, um, but you know, I'll at least I won't admit it. But I will say, yeah, the, the, um, the atmosphere is very different. You know, the, the 2018 primaries were very different than 2022 primaries. Uh, 
2020 primaries were non-existent, at least for me. I didn't even have a contender. Yeah. And now, now there's, there's, there's nobody that runs without a primary contender and can run like way to the right or way to the left. So politics has gotten way more extreme um, on both sides. And um, it's gotten vicious and, and angrier. And um, it, it, is, it is a wildly different time. Um, yeah, everybody... <laughs> I do miss those days. <laughs> I do miss those days a little bit. Is that weird bit. that 2018 are the good old days? I mean, that, that's kind of yeah. bizarre. I mean, COVID obviously escalated a lot of things. It did. But just, but just the general sense. I mean, I know you well enough. Like, you really do want to sit down with some of these other people. Mm-hmm. And do you, when you see them, like when you see some of the progressives in Congress when you're at the Capitol, does anyone chat with you? Like, are they willing to talk even on the DL or is it just, there's nothing there? Yeah, yeah, no, there there is. But, um, you know, the frustration comes from, it's it's very hard to get them to act. But don't, but, you know, I do want people to realize there's actually a lot more good faith conversations and attempts than than people might realize. Doesn't always end up where we'd like it to. It rarely ends up where we'd like it to. Um, But, you know, I mean, mean, well, let me, let me draw your attention back to um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, um, uh, speakership yeah, vote, yeah, yeah, I, not because I want to talk about that drama. It's on the but, list. It's but, on the list. <laughs> damn it! But because no, but actually, what I wanted to bring up was the the hilarious bad lip reading that came from that. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. And how often did you see bad lip reading between like hardcore Freedom Caucus members and AOC? And they, they talk to each other quite a bit. <laughs> it was good. You know? it was good. And like, it, 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 people do talk to each other, right? There, there is some yelling and screaming uh, publicly, but like, I've actually I've gotten completely out of the habit of going after anyone individually in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senate up for grabs, <laughs> like you know, Bernie Sanders all day long. President Biden, that's yeah, d- totally, totally free for all. But but I, I try not to even go after anyone in the House unless absolutely necessary, because you do have to see them every day, and, yeah. and there there might be something you work on. I mean, so like I'm, I'm trying to get psychedelic treatment for veterans and military. Uh, AOC is a big proponent of that. Also, we're neighbors now. We literally our offices. We just got moved this year. We are right sure next to each other. We're right next to each other. So, <laughs> so it just, um, yeah, just. I, I prefer a world where we actually try to figure some things out. I'm trying to get a bunch of Democrats on my cartel bills right now. I mean, that's not out of the question yet. Okay, I'm, and I've not made it partisan. I want I want Democrats to agree with me that we have to go after the cartels in Mexico. So, I mean, there's room. There's it can happen. I still have some faith. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Okay, so since it sounds like you're extending a hand to AOC, just on my show this morning that we just finished an hour ago, I played a clip of her during, you know, given her her speech during the parental rights and education bill that just got passed, and she's screaming how this is fascism. That if parents know these things, that this is fascism. And all the bill is, as I, I basically read all the bullet points, it's just so that parents know what's being taught. Yeah, that, that's it. Their, their reaction so to this would have so crazy. So what do you do with that then? So you want to you want to put the hand out there. You want to maybe work with her on things that make sense. Okay, psychedelics for, for veterans. I, I the way it works up here is like we just ignore it. Hey, you want to co-sponsor this? <laughs> yeah, sure, great. Right. Um, so which is which is healthy actually because right. like it, it, what's what's interesting is I do think a lot of the emotion leaves the room um, when when behind closed doors. 
Um, and that's a good thing, fr- frankly. Like, uh, like I, I haven't actually specifically talked to her about the psychedelics, but I just know that she's promoted something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is this is one of those weird things where it's like me, Matt Gates, and AOC, like all on the same page about something. Right. Um, you know, just it's just an example. But you know, my comments about X, Y, and Z don't necessarily need to affect her opinion on this bill, and her comments on X, Y, and Z don't necessarily need to affect my opinion on on this bill because, well, it's about a greater good. It's about getting military people treatment that they need. So, so it, it, it can still happen, right? Like, um, I, it really can sometimes, <laughs> I mean. But what do you do about the over the top rhetoric? Cause I don't hear that from you. Obviously I'm more in line with your politics, but like, I, like she knows it's not fascism. Yeah. But, but then you say that, it gets clipped everywhere, it goes around and then, and then that just becomes the mainstream thought on this thing. We that, gotta that, fight back that, on that issue. Like I can fight back on that issue against her. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to make people feel somewhat better about DC. Yeah. You know? that, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just saying we can fight like hell on that. Like she's totally lying and totally wrong. And I would say it publicly. Um, it's, it's completely disingenuous. It's complete grandstanding. It, it's, it's, to, it's, and all the Democrats have been saying it, by the way, they're all using the same line. Um, like this kind of sky is falling rhetoric. I'm just saying we can fight about that and probably still do a bill on something else that we agree on. Right. Like it can happen and it should happen. Like if, if you let your entire life and entire career and, and certainly Washington politics be driven completely by emotion, uh, we'll definitely never get anything done because it largely is already driven too much by emotion. Right. It's interesting because the rhetoric is so out of whack with what most people think of the country, even, you know, because most of what they're running on to me seems like radical anti-American, uh, radical anti-American ideas and all of the woke stuff. And then the other day, Hakeem Jeffries was suddenly talking about American exceptionalism. And it's like, well, pick one, guys. Give me that. But then I kind of think that that's almost baked in. It's like we say every extreme thing, so people have no freaking clue what's going on here. And then you get left holding the hat like, hey, I'm trying right. to The intellectually honest and yeah. consistent people, yeah, do get left holding the hat a lot of times. Um, because sometimes my own side wants me to like really go extreme. And I'm like, well, that's not really intellectually honest to what, you know, whatever, the, whatever the example is. And so I, I tend to look for people on the other side who also share that same kind of intellectual honesty and consistency, who kind of maintain some sort of consistent equilibrium. AOC is not one of those people, yeah. like, yeah, just yeah, to be yeah, clear. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I just, I, I get, don't even I, mean to make it about her. I just, yeah. she says these things and I'm like, man, I know you don't believe this lady. You're, you're, I would say she's LARPing. She's live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, it's true. It's just true. Well, I mean, Hakeem Jeffries said the same stuff yeah. uh, on, on the parent, right. on the parents bill of rights yeah. uh, thing. He was saying the same things like book burning. They want to stop teaching the Holocaust. Yeah, oh, the it's Holocaust, like, we played that like, one. what are you talking about? Like it's, it's, but com- it's completely bananas. I, I do. Now, that being said, as just a Republican strategist putting that hat on, I like it when they do that because it's so easy to debunk. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the, the Georgia election law, the Texas election laws. Those were so easy to debunk. They looked ridiculous and they did lose those battles. Um, so it, it does drive us crazy when they do that. But we do also have to take a step back, think about it unemotionally and think this is an opportunity. Right, because it's so easy to fact check them. Right. Um, they, they've gone. They, they've miscalculated. They've gone too far. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to win over those independents who are like, you know, I, I don't like that they lied to me. I believed it for a second, but then you showed me this and I read it and it's not like that. And that's an opportunity for us.
So I can tell you really want to talk about the McCarthy fight for at least seventeen minutes consecutively. <laughs> seventeen minutes. Consecutive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do. Let's do. Let's do literally two minutes on it. So you were basically in McCarthy's camp. Then it, it was sort of getting nasty for a couple of days. The media loved it because Republicans were fighting with Republicans. Okay, fine. Are you happy in the end result in that it does seem to me that the Republicans are standing up a little bit more and maybe the fight did actually give it some teeth or do you think it was going to end up that way either way? It was going to end up at, that way either way. I mean, what, 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 what really bugs me about that whole week was that nothing really changed from day one to day five or whatever it was as far as the substance of the so-called demands, right? This rules package we passed, it had already been agreed to and it was a, it was a pretty uncontroversial rules package. Everybody liked it. Um, so what about these concessions that they got? Is well, they're that, all secret. Wasn't that the whole thing? That yeah, yeah. Got? Well, those are personal concessions that we don't quite understand or know about. That's that's another frustrating thing. Meaning that thing. behind closed doors, McCarthy right. was like, okay, I'll, Matt Gates, I'll offer you this or we, something into that. We, and, I, and I can't yeah. talk specifics because I don't really know exactly. But that's but the, but the point is, is the actual written down rules, the you know, supposedly... Again, I think so there was a narrative out there that they were fighting for this like more transparent, better, more Republican, more Democratic rules package, but it was already agreed to. It was the exact same from from start to finish. So the, the rules the, the, package itself did not change. It didn't change. Well, there was one tiny change, which is like the motion to vacate change from five votes to one vote, which is like nothing. So that's, I mean, that's splitting hairs at that point. Um, so that's what was frustrating. It was, it was frustrating too because, I mean, um, you know, I'll never forget, like before we took one vote, uh, I won't say who, but, but one of their kind of leaders of this of this twenty stood up, and McCarthy asked him like, "What it, what else do you guys want? Like, let's just settle this before we go out there and look like fools. Like, what what else can we do for you?" And he's like, "And he just couldn't answer it in front of everyone." Mm-hmm. That was a really frustrating moment. So that's that's actually where all the animosity came from because it felt like it was just for show. So it, that's it, interesting. So that's the right version of what we were talking about before with the left, right? Like just the show version of all. Of yeah, this. and it was just so it was just frustrating, and and it wasn't clear to to, to those of us who, who were supporting him why. Again, I can negotiate with somebody if you're like, no, I really want this rule to change, and I'm like, well, let's meet. Ha- I can I can figure that. I can wrap my head around that, but yeah. that just wasn't what was happening. Um, and I, I think that's where the animosity came from because I'd go around asking some of them like, hey, what, what else? Like, what, I'll go, I'll go talk to them. What, what do you want me to talk to them about? Like, let's just, let's just get through this. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't get answers, and that, that was really frustrating. That, that's why I think the heat got turned up so much. But I think we're, but I also think we're definitely past it now. It, Washington tends to be like that, which frankly, apparently your <laughs> is, offices are all right next to each other. Yeah, which is, but it's a good thing. It's yeah. you, you got to get over stuff, right? You, you really do. So, Wait, do you have a bathroom in your office, or you have to share? bathroom with these people too. No, no. Uh, we have a bathroom, uh, but no not shower. just one in the hallway. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. There, there, yeah. Every every member uh, office has a bathroom. No shower, but a bathroom. Okay, all right. So you're not going to share a bathroom with AOC. I assume they would be genderless bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, they would definitely be like genderless. That. That's true. <laughs> what, what do you make of the general sense that, and I definitely feel this as, you know, I left Cali and I'm in uh, Florida now, that the red states and blue states, the, the divide right now is so wide that it can only get wider, at least temporarily. Do, do you think that's a fair assessment? And, and, and yeah. are you okay with it if, if it's a fair assessment? No, I'm not okay with it. I, it's bad for the country. Um, we, need, we, we need honest balance in the country. And uh, you, you need a healthy liberal side and a healthy conservative side, you know? Liberals have their place, right? They're, they they point out problems with the hierarchies and the institutions that are set up. You know, 
I think their solutions are almost always wrong. <laughs> That's where you need conservatives. Right. I think conservative governing philosophy is by far the best one and the healthiest one. But you got to take cues from from people, and that's so the liberals play a role. Like that balance is actually really important, and that balance is way out of whack. And and, and, and we got problems in the Republican Party for sure. I, I I think populism is bad, mostly because it so closely resembles liberalism, in my opinion. <laughs> but meaning that they'll use government to get whatever it is that they that want. yeah, it just it's untethered from principle. It's generally telling people what they want to hear. And that's how I define populism, and that's certainly how I observe it in practice. Um, so this know. would be like where you you and Tucker definitely see that differently. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure what he's for in many cases. Um, I mean, I, you know, he hates me because I think we should defend America and, and stand up to Russia. Like that, that's why that's why he doesn't like me. I'm not sure what else we disagree on. He's probably is more willing to use the powers of government in a very non-conservative way on certain things. I don't. I want to put words in his mouth. We'd have to get really specific on the issue. But just in general, when you look at populism, here's an, here's an example. I mean, I remember, was this the 2020 election? We were talking about free paychecks, you know, $2,000 checks to everyone, um, universal paychecks. And I remember the far right being like, you got to do this. This is what needs to be done. This is, you know, and it was, I was like, well, why not 3000 Why not 4000 The entire point of being a conservative is to have some kind of tethered principle, some anchoring there. There has to be, it's called limiting principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's populism, right? Because I'm like, oh, oh, you know, is it going to be popular to give everyone a $2,000 check? Yes. Does that make it the right thing? No. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so, so that's what I mean by that. And liberalism just, it just is, the, is the political mechanism for that kind of mentality, But do you generally see any, any, are they aware of the liberals, though? I mean, I see, I see socialists mostly. Mm-hmm. You probably saw that incredible moment on Real Time a couple of weeks ago when Bill... Yeah. basically said to Bernie, what's yeah, the difference yeah, between yeah. equity and equality? And he literally said he didn't know. I mean, that should have... Well, that was interesting because it's like he's never thought of it. <laughs> right, you know, because we, right. we, we, we have that conversation in our circles quite a bit. Like, yeah. you know, we nitpick at their philosophy. We really, really try to understand their psychology and philosophy. And they never try to understand conservatives. Like, they, they just, they actually default to demonization. It's actually appalling. Um, but also, it's a huge advantage for us because I always know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. I always know how they're going to make their point. And that was such a good example of like, Bernie's never even really thought of that. That 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 It's an important difference, you know? And, and Bill eventually got him to kind of say what we would want him to say. You know, it's like about outcome <laughs> but orientation. But he was like, bleh, <laughs> like yeah. here, you fool. He's just like, never thought of it, yeah. which was which was crazy. So it, it's it's proof that they're driven by like, by, by, that the left is driven by populism and kind of what feels good at the moment sort of mentality, mm-hmm. right? This this kind of outsized, like pathological sense of compassion. Like you can have too much compassion, right? That will, that will, I don't know, to kind of just screw up your entire framing of a problem and, and how you approach you've it. You've read some Jordan Peterson. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Mutual friend. And you've done many things with him. So wait, I want to back up to, though to Russia for just a sec. So, because I think we have a little bit of a, a difference of opinion here. As a general rule, I believe in strength to stop your enemies and I believe in deterrence and all of those things. There's something that feels different to me about this thing because we're so screwed up internally right now, like because of inflation and all of the craziness of the last couple of years that we're giving all of this money and that people are just like, yes, give them four more tanks and three more planes and pay for this. And it's like, we know that's not gonna end it and he has nukes. So it's not, so I think I probably agree with you on like the the blue sky like policy, what should foreign policy look like? I just think we have a bunch of incompetent buffoons running this and and that changes my equation a little bit. 
Maybe. Um, you can always find a reason, you know, to to want to solve this problem instead of that problem, but they're not mutually exclusive. You know, um, giving money to Ukraine for weapons has, has zero inflationary effect, uh, for one. Um, I think you'd have a much higher inflationary effect if you looked at the counterfactual. So if, if we're going to say we should never support Ukraine, you do have to operate with a counterfactual in mind. And that counterfactual is this. We never, okay, fine. We never gave them anything. They were never our ally. We don't care if Russia takes them over for all we care. You know, it, it doesn't concern us at all. So that means for they the never- record, would, I'm not saying all that, but I get I get what your point is. But we have to say yeah. that because, because that is the, the obvious counterfactual. So, the, so that means Russia takes over, right? That means we don't do anything. We never gave them javelins. We never gave them stingers. We never gave them the weapons that helped them fend the Russians off at, and in the Battle of Kiev. And we never trained them for the last few years, right? We never did any of that. Um, Russia would win, and also their military would be intact. So you'd have an intact Russian military with a with a with a with now an emboldened Putin, because now the population's way behind him. They weren't really behind. They're not really behind him now, mm -hmm. because he's not winning, and they don't like being conscripted into his army. But in the counterfactual, they're winning. They haven't lost him so much, and now they're on the borders of Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, all, all NATO countries with an imperialistic mindset. I mean, and Putin's talked many times about, you know, freeing Russian, ethnic Russians throughout Europe. Um, Estonia has a lot of those. Latvia has a lot of those, NATO countries. So there's, there's, I, I, I think we have to take Putin at his word, right? We, 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 we rarely do for some reason. I mean, he says he's gonna do things. We should accept his word and, and, and acknowledge that he's going to do it. You know, and this he he he's always he's always played war games that are offensive in nature. They're never defensive. Like this idea that he's been afraid of NATO and he mm -hmm. has to like create a buffer zone. That's complete nonsense. Um, he, they, they never practice defending Russia because they know they don't need to. Uh, it, it's not a reasonable concern. Also, NATO's just not not designed that way. Um, and he knows that. He, he's not a stupid man. He's a very rational guy, but he's rational within a Russian context. <laughs> okay, so he's not, we, Westerners look at what's happening and they're like, this is completely irrational. Yeah, by our standards, because we operate in this sort of rules-based order. Um, we believe in sort of goodwill and partnerships. That, that's not how he thinks. He lives in like the 18th century. He does see himself. He's talked about this. He sees himself as the sort of second coming of the czars. Mm -hmm. So he sees himself as an imperialist. And he believes in strength. Like he respects you because you're strong. Mm -hmm. And if you're not strong, he believes it's his right to take things from you, which is how he sees Ukraine. He doesn't see sees them as subhuman. And so for less than 10% of our defense budget, which is which is the money money we're talking about, yeah. we can just make that scenario not happen. That's a pretty good deal. It's a damn good investment. So we just completely decimated the Russian military. Um, now, is it purely competent? Well, look, Biden's not actually <laughs> doing every mo every little bit of this, thank God, because right. he is incompetent. And he was incompetent with Afghanistan in a massive way. He didn't listen to his military. In this case, he is listening to his military. Now, he's still not. He's still making mistakes in the sense that, you know, he should have done more quicker and ended this. You, you do have to escalate to de-escalate and then call for a resolution. That's that's the strategy here. That should be what the president should be saying, but he's not really saying much. And that's the problem, and I think that's why people like you were like, I don't think you're competent in this, so well, I get that. Right, because it's also that every week we play a clip of him or Blinken or one of these guys saying, well, they shouldn't negotiate, and they and we should just continue, and it's like, well, yeah, that's, like, that's, yeah. I, I just don't think, you know, right before the election, was it right before the election, I think Mitch McConnell said that the Ukraine war is number one on Republican voters' minds. And it was like, I, I played that clip on my show and literally the amount of email I got of people being like, it's not in my top yeah. 20, not to say what you just said is not important. Yeah. 
but people when they're like, I can't order a freaking couch because it now takes six months, are like, yeah, you know. it, it it annoys people. I get that, yeah. and certainly that's not our most important thing in the world, but. It, it is important. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not, I don't like the, I don't like being in the business of overstating it either, yeah. which is I think what you're referring to. So what does um, the, the end look like then? Like what? Because I to me it's just like we're just going to keep doing this. Like every couple of weeks we'll be like, all right, there's more money, couple more tanks. The only defense yeah. of those kind of comments is you, you got to remember who's listening. It's not just your voters; it's the Russians. And so that's actually that's 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 part of strategic deterrence. Make them think we'll just never stop. Is that that has to factor into his calculations as well? Um, now, what? But I'm since I'm not at the top levels of government, I'm a little bit more free to say what should happen, and it's kind of what I just said. I think yeah. you should escalate to de-escalate, um, and you do have to force some kind of resolution that just stabilizes the situation. It's not it's not ultimately important to Americans that like a few miles of Ukrainian territory is impeded upon, mm-hmm. um, at least to the voters, but. You do have to set up permanent deterrence in this case. Um, and you actually should think it's pretty important that Ukraine doesn't get taken over by Russia. Um, there, there's been a, there's a lot of narrative on our own side that it's just this backwater country that doesn't matter. That, that's economically speaking just totally false. Um, you know, I'll give you some examples. I mean, it is the breadbasket of the world for a reason. Um, they're still doing those exports. So there's a reason like things haven't completely gone to hell yet. Um, I think it produces most of the world's neon, which is used for semiconductors. So that, that's in every single thing, every little part of your life is, is based there. Uh, quite a bit of our steel, or, or at least a pig iron ore comes from Ukraine. So there's, there's a lot of resources there that there's a reason Putin wants it. Again, he's rational by Russian standards. There's a reason he wants this particular area. And for him to control that much um, is, is, is not in America's interest. Now, is it worth us fighting a nuclear war over? No, I didn't say that either, but we're not. And we're not even close to that. We've not lost a single American. We don't plan to lose a single American. We've just written a check for less than 10% of our defense. I mean, that's, right. so, so just speaking of cost benefit, I think there's massive benefits here with, with very little cost. You also have to look at how China looks at this. That's um, what I was going to ask. So when you saw him with Xi last week, like, yeah. does that concern you that somehow now we've just sort of like forged this new alliance? It was already forged. I mean, I mean, remember they were meeting right before Putin invaded. I mean, they were, they were, they were planning this together. She encourages this um, because he wants to see what the West's reaction is. So, so she is doing his own kind of red cell observation. Do you know what I mean by red cell? I'm not totally sure. Okay, so red cell is just like a, a military term when we do kind of a, maybe red cell is not even the right term in this case. Now I've overcomplicated the conversation. <laughs> but in, in any case, it's, 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 it, she, gets to, she gets to observe a scenario, right, where, where there's an unjust invasion and he gets to observe what the West's reaction is, okay? because he wants to invade Taiwan, obviously. And he wants to know how long the West will stay together, um, how much we're willing to invest. He wants to know these things. And so, of course, he's going to encourage it. It's in his interest mm-hmm. that, that Putin is successful um, and that we quit, because then that, that, get that in, in, in effect, green lights his invasion of Taiwan. That's what he's looking for. Now, you've... <laughs> You really don't want Taiwan to be taken over by the Chinese, right? Just, just simply for the semiconductor mm-hmm. um, problem. You also don't want to go to war over it. So the best method here is, is prevention. Um, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation about what we could do better to prevent that. I jumped completely from the, the red-blue thing into, the, into uh, Ukraine. But what do we do to mitigate that if, if we want to save the United States and we're watching these states? I mean, when I go back to Cali now, I'm like, man, this place has nothing to do with anything that... I believe in or want to be part of, it, it seems ridiculous to me. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back to what I said earlier. You got to be persuasive, right? We've we've got to convince like moderate liberals and independents that conservatism is just simply a better way forward. Um, You know, there's a tendency in American politics to look to the worst of the other side. And they're like, you know, so they'll, they'll pick the person on the other side they hate the most and be like, this is why I can't be with you guys. And because we, because we, and it's because we so rarely talk about our principles. Um, I think that's a problem. That's why I, I tend to try to talk in philosophical terms to, yeah. to get people like, let's start from the foundation here. Let me explain to you how I get to this policy that you think is just the devil, um, you know, when it's not. And, you know, let's go from there. I mean, I like this situation. Are your offices literally like you share a wall with AOC? Is it that? Next door, yeah, like yeah. Literally, you share a wall. Yeah, I think this could. My be office probably shares a wall with her staff, but yeah, but but yes. <laughs> but in essence, yeah. yes. I like that. Maybe, like, if anyone can do it, it's probably you. Like, bring her to something ballpark sane. Maybe it's hard to say. It, 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 <laughs> I know. I don't you'll know. try. I know you'll try. Yeah. At least, I, yeah. I sense you'll try. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll at least, like, like I said, I'll, I'll at least try on like this one issue that I know she already agrees with. Right. Like, you're not going to convince people who are that far left, just to be clear. Like, you know, my, my, when, when I say I'm talking to Democrats about Maybe my cart. Define my, fascism. Like, you're pretty good about defining yeah, right. terms. How about, how about that? All right. Oh, but, well, one more for you then. Uh, obviously, the big thing on, on the Republican side is, is the Trump DeSantis thing that seems to be happening. DeSantis has not announced, but it all seems like it's mm-hmm. going in that direction. I voted for Trump. I like Trump. I love what's happening in Florida. Like, I'm trying to do it as honestly as possible. And I think we need a shift in generations. Like, there's a whole series of things. What do you make of this? And uh, how worried are you that this just like implodes the whole thing and we get Joe Biden another 30 years? (laughs) I'm very worried uh, that it implodes and that there's massive division in the party. Um, I'm staying out of it. I mean, I'm not going to comment one way or the other who I like better because. Um, everybody's just a little angry and upset at each other, and there's there's there's, there's really no benefit um, to, to doing so. It's early. It's early too. So, you know, Santos will he will he announce? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he will, uh, but he hasn't. Um, there's only a handful that have, and so we'll 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 let this play out. But I'm absolutely worried for our party, um, and and you know the, how how these divisions manifest, and and more importantly, what it means for our potential for victory uh, in 2024. So we need to get it together. Crenshaw, I can't let you leave on a worried comment because my policy around here is I got to give something positive to end. Let's talk about going to war. Let's talk about going to war with the cartels. Fine. There we go. Finish strong. Yeah, that's something that'll bring bring us all together. I think every, uh, well, it brings Republicans together. I'm trying to make it bring Democrats together. So... You know, I've, I've recently uh, was threatened by the president of Mexico. Oh, right. And he's going to, he's going to, yeah, 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 he's yeah. going to, he's going to come campaign against me. I thought yeah. that was uh, mildly hilarious. Um, it actually shows how bad this situation really is. So, you know, um, this is our number one tactical security threat. We have strategic security threats, Russia, China. Those are strategic security threats, um, long-term security threats as far as, you know, keeping chaos out of the world because that affects Americans. But this, this is a, this is a near-term tactical major security threat mm-hmm. right on our border. These cartels are small armies. Uh, they can battle the Mexican army. They've bought off much of Mexican government. Uh, you know, what, what, my reaction to AMLO saying what he said to me was, wow, tell me you're, tell me you're bought off by the cartels without telling me you're bought <laughs> off by the cartels. <laughs> right, I mean, because right. I, I never came after him. He just, you know, I, I go after the cartels. I don't go after Democrats on this either because I'm trying to get them on this bill. 
um, that would simply give Biden the authorization for military force. It doesn't mean you roll tanks in tomorrow. It just means you have authorization. I, ideally, we do that with Mexico, just like we've done in many other operations around the world. So I think this is, a, this is, this is, this is my major focus. Is, is the cartels in Mexico, the fentanyl they're producing and shipping across our border, uh, poisoning, murdering Americans uh, every single day. I'll make you a deal. I will focus on that a little more so you get a little juice behind you and you will walk over to AOC's office within the next couple of weeks and tell her to respond to my email. Okay, that? all right. Can you please respond to Dave's email? He's a very nice guy. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks for tuning into The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.